As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Tonight's show has a light smattering of foul language and some off-color jokes. Hope you're excited. Before we get started, however, this episode was about what we probably think was a Native American. We refer to the entity in this story as both an Indian and a Native American during the course of the telling. There's still a great debate, even within the many different tribes, over how they should be referred to, but according to my research, many of them prefer to be called by the name of the tribe they are a part of instead of being categorized broadly as one group. The discussion about India having nothing to do with it, notwithstanding. So what we're trying to say is it's with no disrespect that we've titled this episode The Laughing Indian. If Mark had been able to suss out what tribe this being was from, then we would have gladly called the show The Laughing Mohican or The Laughing Lenape, both tribes being native to the area this tale takes place. We actually never intended to capture this story. It came out because typically whenever we finish an interview with somebody who's telling a ghost story, I like to ask the question, has anything like this ever happened to you before? And I suppose the reason I ask that question is because I'm thinking most people are going to say no. And that helps our listeners better assess the storyteller's state of mind and predisposition to supernatural events. Sometimes, however, people say yes. And when they do, I'm often surprised. That's exactly what happened just a few weeks ago when we recorded our friends Mark and Marisol, who had traveled together to Norway on business and had physical encounters with something unseen in both of their hotel rooms. If you haven't heard it yet, check out episode 11, The Flirting Ghosts of Norway. Anyway, when we finished that interview, I thanked them both for coming in, and then I asked Mark, has anything like this ever happened to you before? Um, well, concretely, once. What follows is, for me, one of the spookiest stories we've gotten in an interview since we started out. It freaked me out as much as anything we've ever recorded, and I was going to save it for our forthcoming membership area, but it's just too good to hold back. So turn the lights down, settle in for your commute, or however you usually listen to the show, and get ready to get freaked out. Welcome back to Astonishing Legends. I'm Scott Philbrook, and this is Not Forest Burgess. In the main, ghosts are said to be forlorn and generally miserable, if not downright depressed. The jolly ghost is rare. Dick Cabot. Okay, so before we go to the story, I just want to remind everyone, it was the second one that was told in an interview we did a few weeks ago. So you're going to hear both Mark Brignoni and Marisol McIlvain on the mics just after they told us the story of the flirting ghosts of Norway. And with that, let's roll it. All right, so what was the other thing that happened to you in your life that you experienced? I grew up in um, the Catskills, in a little town in, I can tell the name of the town, in Woodstock, New York. Yeah. 
Um, no one's ever heard of Woodstock. <laughs> and um, I was about 12 years old. My We moved up there when I was a kid from the city. My father bought a chunk of land. The city being Manhattan. Correct. Sorry. No, that's okay. And my father bought a bunch of land on literally like the side of this mountain that, you know, was up up from the, the town of Woodstock. And it was very remote. It was very, very remote. Sounds and idyllic. Beautiful. Really, really beautiful. And um, the road that goes up there, it's like kind of a one-lane paved road that goes up the mountain. And we're not the only ones who live up there. There are lots of other people. But it's not like the houses are suburban and stacked on each other. It's, it's in the middle of the Catskills. And um, this is not part of my story, but it, it's interesting that my mom says that when we were first clearing the land, and I was a little kid, sometimes she would go up there. We lived in a little house in town while they were building uh, on this property. And my, sometimes my mother would work that land by herself, clearing and whatnot. And she had a companion, and it was a British redcoat, who would stand at the periphery of the clearing, right on the edge of the clearing, and just watch my mom for hours while she was working. And what? She physically saw this thing? Physically saw this, this thing. This wasn't and in her head. It wasn't something she was sensing. She laid eyeballs on it. I laid eyes, eyeballs on it, but it was never direct eye contact. She, it was always right in the periphery of her vision. Wow. And every time she tried to look at it, it would stay in the periphery of her vision. Okay. And so it just became, I think, a, a th- just – that was her friend. It was it was a benign presence that was just observing her. Anyway, that's just kind of just some background for the area. I guess my you know my dad used to say that there were a lot of battles in that area and Indian burial grounds in that area and whatnot. And you know it's kind of creepy in a sleepy hollow feeling kind of kind of a way. <laughs> sure. And so anyway, when I was about twelve years old, my parents went into the city for the weekend. And um, I hope my parents, they're going to be so embarrassed if they hear this, they left a 12-year-old kid. And I think my dad threw me the car keys and a bunch of money. He said, if you need to go into town to get pizza, do it after dark so people can't can't see. Yes, the 70s. The 70s. The 70s. (laughs) My parents would be so embarrassed. Just put your beer in a cup. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) And I always say about this story, and I tell it to my friends and whoever a lot because I believe it happened. However, there's still that thing inside me that says you were 12 years old and you made it all up. Sure. Right? I always have that nagging at me. Like it's – and uh, to me, sometimes it sounds so corny, right? Yeah. That it's – come on. Right. However, this is what I experienced. I have to describe the physical – the physicality of the house and where it is in relationship to the road. There's this one little – it's a small one-lane paved road that goes over the mountain. And then our driveway is actually a county road that has had to be named because it was that long. And I don't know how, how many yards it is, maybe 200, 250 yards in a straight shot from the paved road all the way up. And then it makes a hard 90-degree turn. And there's like another, I don't know. 80 yards or, or whatnot to our house. And then our house faces right down that driveway, right to that elbow. This is important. So also down on the main road, if you were to walk down my driveway and then walk up the road about a quarter of a mile, 
there's a bend in the road, and if you walk through the woods over this little stream, it opens up into a big meadow. And I used to go camping and playing with my neighbor friend Joey. We used to play and camp in there as kids all the time. We knew every inch of that sure. meadow. There was this great tree we used to climb up and play our kid games. So, so that's the <laughs> okay. Kid games, okay. yeah. I, it's not implying anything. Yeah, odd. no, no. I just like, I like we played our kid, kid games. Um, it's like a sad poem. <laughs> now, here's the other thing that always makes me doubt this story. I had this great German Shepherd. His name was Kayla, and so big German Shepherd, you know, ninety pound animal, was with me throughout this whole thing, and the dog never made a peep. So that always puts doubt in my head. Anyway, I eat dinner, I turn off the lights, go to bed, and it was also very bright out that night. I don't recall specifically it was a full moon, but it was bright. Mm -hmm. You could see, you could look out, and there are no lights. I mean, this is the middle of the woods. There's no lights, there's no sounds, there's no cars driving past. It's dead quiet. Man, I would have, I got to tell you, at 12 years old, I think I would have been petrified just on general principle. Yeah. Be a, like, but I guess at that at that age you're not really aware how evil the world is. No, no, <laughs> that know? was not a not really a consideration. Yeah. Um, in fact, we never locked the doors in the house. Right, right. So yeah, so you felt safe. It was a safe place. That's up, right. You grew yeah. up. There. I grew up there. So. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It was you your domain. That's right. Yeah. So um, this is Woodstock, New York, right? And so up in that meadow, often people would go up there. It was a full moon. I remember specifically it was okay. a full moon because the uh, lots of people would go up there and like literally like howl at the moon. They go beat their drums and do woodstocky things, right? Mostly it was just dropping acid, right? Right. And uh, I heard someone laughing in that meadow, and the sounds really carried throughout that whole area. You could really kind of pinpoint distances, so I knew that there was someone up in that meadow, and it was a male voice, and. It laughed. What time of night is this? Maybe, I don't know. In early evening? Early, early. Not evening. three in the morning. No, 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 no. It was, oh, I was a responsible young man. I wasn't <laughs> bed by nine. <laughs> yeah, oh, nice. right. oh, and I, th- that is actually a good point about responsible. I did not, at 12 years old, did not drink, did not do drugs, did right. not anything, right? That was not part of... Were you already doing martial arts at that point? Uh-huh, yeah. Your father is... My- yeah, my dad is um uh I don't know what his status is, but he's well trained guy. I mean, he's been doing kung fu for 50 years. So he's a master. And his, he's a master. And yeah. he taught you from a young age. Yeah. 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 So you're a fairly self-confident kid. Pretty kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> you hear this voice out in the field and it laughed and it was a very specific laugh and it sounded like this. <laughs> That was all, just that that laugh. And it kind of made me feel really uneasy when I heard it. But I literally just wrote it off as, oh, there's someone up in up in the meadow. We called it, it was, uh, the meadow was built by a name, uh, man named Peter Cantine. And so we always called it Peter's Field. And then it got... So he cleared it? It wasn't a cl- natural meadow. That's right. Okay. It was clear. How big was it? 
Gosh, how would you describe it? Football field? Football field-esque, yeah. Okay. yeah, ish. Like in a bowl or? Like- in, a bo- in, a, in a bit of a bowl, and it was a circular clearing. Big, okay. big. And yeah. when this guy, Peter, built it, or like, time period, do we know? I don't know what the time period is. I, okay. I don't. All right. 50s, 60s, I'm not sure. Okay, so after the Civil War. And- oh, God, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And uh, more specifically, the... Um- that other war with it would have had red coats. The Revolutionary yeah, War. After, yeah, that's that one. <laughs> Let me try that. After the Revolutionary War. Um, God, idiot. <laughs> it's funny. I, I always bristled when I was older because the meadow got rebranded. We called it, the locals called it Pete's Field, and then it got rebranded Magic Meadow. Oh, and I always really hated it. From that. the acid yeah, Exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah, now it's, you know, it's better yeah. than Staples Meadow. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> True that, yes. <laughs> City Field. Okay, so um, you're hearing the laughter. So, right. And so I very specifically knew that it was in the meadow, and it made me uneasy, but I just wrote it off. So, Is the meadow on your property? No, no, no. Oh, okay. I mean, the meadow is a good, I mean... I guess you're walking half a mile, but you can third still of hear a mile. Voices absolutely, from there. Yeah. absolutely. Okay. And in fact, when people were up there making a lot of noise, it was really annoying because you would hear drums beating. Blah blah blah. blah, was blah it public blah. land, not policed, not policed. Yeah, no. okay. So uh, I go back to bed, and I'm laying there, and this is specific for about 15 minutes, and I've got my dog in my bedroom. And I hear that same exact laugh again. (laughs) Except this time I pinpoint it kind of at the bottom of our driveway, which is still really far away. And now I got really uneasy. But I figured it's just some guy walking up and down the road, which happened all the time. Okay, people wandering around. The other thing, too, is people would often mistake our driveway for a road. There were constantly tourists driving around and they drive up our our road, and then there's a roundabout. So when you came up to our house, there was a roundabout that spit you back down the driveway, and then people would always come around our driveway. There we go again. So that is a pet peeve of mine. Yeah, people pulling in your dri- into good, your driveway. We had a house like that, and it was yeah. just crap. I'm like, yeah, and it's my- gravel driveways coming apart. I want to put a sign in a bucket out there. It says, "Leave money for repaving." That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and our gra- driveway, by the way, was a gravel driveway. Yeah. Um, so you also hear it. You hear it. Yeah. You hear it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Get off my land. Get off my land, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there, that part comes. That made me even a little bit more uneasy. But again, I'm also forcing myself, I think at this point, not to be a scaredy little kid, right? I'm 12 years old, you know. Man of the house right now. Right. Yeah. I go to bed, and 15 minutes later, I hear that same laugh, except it's at the elbow of our driveway. <laughs> and now I really freaked out. Jumped up out of bed really fast And the way our house was positioned, my parents' bedroom and my bedroom were right next to each other, and they faced straight down the driveway. So if you opened up the sliding glass door, you walked out onto our wraparound deck, and you looked out the railing, and you could see right down the driveway. So what I did was is I got out of bed, and I ran to hit the floodlights on to flood the driveway, to see better, which didn't make any sense because there's no way I could see. If there was a person there, I couldn't have seen them. They'd be hiding in the woods, right? So I'm looking, I'm standing on the railing, and I'm like, well, if there's a person there, they sure can see me, right? (laughs) I can't see them. I, like, I turn the floodlights off. I close my doors. And at this point, I'm kind of saying, 
you didn't you didn't hear anything. You're making this up. I really was like almost saying that out loud to myself. You're making this up. So then I put away all fears and I, I, I kind of wish it away, right? I pretend you're making it up. There's nothing going on. So I go back to bed and I'm laying there 15 minutes later. That same laugh occurs. But this time there's stairs. My, my bedroom was on the corner of the house and there's a big stairs right outside my window. And I hear <laughs> standing on the stairs. So I bolt up and I – I wish we could be filming Marisol right now. <laughs> like if I was ever going to do a video version of this website, it would just be – she would be like the interpreter. <laughs> the look on her face. I feel like my body's shrinking because I'm turning into well, a stress ball. Well, it's funny because when I tell the story, I still get – like I can feel the hair on my face like sticking up. Well, and that's how you know uh, in a lot of cases. I know it's easy to doubt something when you're young because like mm-hmm. I, I, for instance, had a thing where I was in the woods with a friend. We were playing and we thought we heard something. We started running and we're convinced that this thing was chasing us. Mm-hmm. And looking back on it now, I know that was BS. I know that we just psyched ourselves out. And so I know that feeling you're talking about. But I'll tell you this, when I retell that story, there is no PTSD with it, nothing. Mm -hmm. If you are thinking back on this story and it's still giving you chills and palpitations and stuff, then it's to me, it's something that you really experienced, Mm -hmm. you know? So, but anyway, go Mm -hmm. ahead. Go ahead. So I get up out of bed and obviously I don't turn on any lights and I run to our gun rack, which is on the other side of the house. I grab a rifle, the shells are on the other side of the house. <laughs> so I go running down down to the back of the house. Now remember, I, it's hard to describe this, with, but there's the wraparound deck. So there, there were the stairs outside my bedroom, and then if you were to be walking up those stairs, you could walk in a straight line back to the kitchen and the dining room. And the dining room is where uh, my dad kept the bullets for the gun. And you're you're proficient with weapons at this point in your life. Yeah, I've shot this rifle. It's a it's a big it's a big rifle, and um, I go the go to where the uh, bullets are. I load the gun, and I'm standing right at the back end of the deck, and I slowly slide open the glass door. And I flip on the outside floods and I pull the gun up and around and I'm pointing it down to where to the stairs outside my bedroom now. And there's no one there. So I grab the dog and the dog's not doing anything, right? I would think that if there was actually someone there, the dog would go nuts, A. And B, if there was some malevolent presence, the dog would go nuts too. That's what they're supposed to yeah, do, that's right. right? The dog's supposed to <laughs> see all supposed the to dead people. They, they yeah. see the dead people. Yeah. So I go down to the stairs, and the house is pretty darn big. Um, if you guys go to our website, you'll be able to see a picture of the house there, or some pictures of the house that we that Mark has provided. Great. So I go to the stairs, and I will start walking down the stairs. Oh, and I forgot to mention this: I grabbed a flashlight too. Um, as I'm walking down the stairs, You're a regular cop. You're like clearing the house. Kind of a badass there. No, I'm actually <laughs> stupid. <laughs> because if there is someone out there, I should have been locking the doors right. of the house, okay. right? Yeah, but I'd you know I'd feel pretty good if I knew kung fu and had a rifle. 
I don't know. I wasn't as I'm, I wasn't as brave as as I wasn't that brave. Okay. I, okay. I was just re, I was like an amoeba reacting to stimuli. Yeah. Was okay. Right. <laughs> so. I start walking down the stairs and then I get this tingle on the back of my calves because actually it's all empty underneath this huge deck. And so I like kind of like go, oh, shit. Can I say that? Yes. Okay. And he's under the deck. And so I take a deep breath and I just stir up the courage and I point my flashlight and the gun underneath the deck and there's nothing there. So then I'm like, okay. So I had this thought that maybe he walked up the stairs, went around on the balcony deck that runs in front of our bedrooms, and walked all the way around to past my parents' bedroom to this little nook and cranny where there's another entrance into the house and another set of stairs that go down. So I walk all the way over there, and there's nothing to be found. And just I, and I, I think about coming around that corner, and it really freaks me out. <laughs> yeah, we, we've had several uh, depends moments. I would say. <laughs> yes. I can't believe he did this. Yeah. I. I so I walk back, um, and I'm looking over the railing. I'm looking everywhere. I'm also not hearing anything, which doesn't mean much. But I'm not hearing anything. I go back to the stairs, and I literally look my dog in the eye, and I say, Kayla. We're walking the property in the dark. Well, okay, just just to quickly recap. Nose kung fu, rifle with a flashlight pointed like the cops do to clear an area. And a German, German shepherd, shepherd. shepherd. And a German shepherd. I mean, you couldn't be more prepared. You feel pretty good, I yeah, guess. Yeah, aside from the fact that you're 12, but like I'm 12. That's definitely in the negative column. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, so. And we go. We go all the way around the house, and then we come all the way back up around, back to where I'd gotten the bullets in the dining room. And I come. My dad's going to have to find a new hiding place for the bullets now, by the way. (laughs) And I come back up to the sliding glass door that I had exited from. And then I realize, dummy, he's in the house. So, locking doors behind me, I go... All through the house. I go up to the attic. Check in the attic. I go down to the basement. I go, my mom's a painter. I'm looking in all of her racks where she keeps all of her canvases. I have to go into the closet in my dad's workroom where the water heater is. Trying to lock things behind me as best I can. I go through the house and there's nothing there. And I'm I'm starting to realize, what are you doing? This is stupid. There's no one here. And I was really beating myself up for being a real little scaredy cat. Your mommy, mom and dad aren't home, and you're making this shit up. So I unload the gun, put the bullets away. Very matter-of-factly, I put the gun back, and I'm, this is dumb. We're going back to bed. Go to sleep. And so I turn off the lights, and a few minutes later, I hear it again. And it's standing outside the sliding glass door, oh. going, <laughs> I get up and I go up to the curtain and I grab a hold and I literally take a deep breath and I fling them open and there's nothing there. And I walk onto the balcony. I'm looking around. I look, could he have like jumped off the railing down onto the driveway and run away in that time? So now you're out. You just heard it outside of your room and now you're outside. No gun, no dog, no flashlight. The dog is in the bedroom, but no flashlight or gun. Trying to see where this thing went. Right. Balls of steel. 
No. Wow. A shallow brain pan, not too smart. <laughs> so I go back to bed, and this time I'm ready. I'm prepped. And I have my hand on my light switch. And I have a big... Uh, Just I almost... My brain wanted to hear lightsaber there, but... It, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I go back to sleep, and 15 minutes later, I hear it again, except this time it's standing over me. <laughs> I flicked on the light, and I said... You win. You win. And I went through the whole house. I turned on all the lights. I grabbed a book. I turned on the radio. And I fell asleep in the living room reading my book. Wow. And that was it. Yeah, okay. So you – let me – sorry. I'm a little verklempt. <clears throat> well, um, well, poke holes in it. <laughs> please. <laughs> well, okay. So you didn't, you didn't see anything ever. Never saw a thing. Also, what I asked you earlier was had you had a physical encounter before, and this was not a physical encounter. This was an auditory sensation, and did you right. sense – did you sense like you did in Norway, not just hearing the voice, did you sense a presence? I did, and, and, and specifically, whereas the one in Norway was benign, this was not. I, I really felt – and then I kind of took a look at it later, much later. As it was very intentional. Uh, intentional. Okay, intentional. But intentional with malevolence or – So here's the weird thing is I gave this thing a name and I always called it as a kid the Indian. And for whatever reason, I felt that that was a Native American and I don't know what that – was about if that was my dad telling me stories that there were battles and during the Revolutionary War or earlier whenever and there were burial grounds. Did the sound of the laughter sound like it had an inflection or the the, the tone? Because by the way, when you did it, you sound a little bit like a Native American. <laughs> I mean, you know, did it have any sort of? No, it was okay. very flat. Was the laugh exactly the same each time? Exactly the same each time. Was yeah. it to, so the same that it was like a sound effect button on a computer? Exactly. Yeah. Wow. When your parents came back, mm -hmm. did you tell them about this? You know, I don't. That's a great question. I don't think I told them right away. But eventually you did. I eventually did. In fact, I'd have to ask them. It's possible that I didn't tell them that story for years. And it only happened that night. Yeah, that only happened. One time. The one time. Okay. I want to poke holes in it, uh, but I... I Right now, I'm a little – I can't think of how to, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Other than the fact that you didn't see anything, it would be a lot easier to poke holes in it had you been drifting in and out of sleep because right. all kinds of weird things happen when you're doing that. But you were wide awake. I was wide awake. For the entire experience. Right. And 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 so this is a weird thing is I in, – in hindsight, in hindsight being years, I uh, felt that – I was specifically being messed with. And I don't know if it was because of my age, because I was prepubescent, that I was left alone as the only man at home to see what kind of chops this little kid has. I don't know. But I always kind of felt that maybe that was what was going on, like I was being tested somehow. I, I'm, I literally can't think of any questions. I'm just going to thank you for sharing that. Sure. Um, and, uh, 
yeah, I'm going to have to just I, I th- thanks for coming in tonight. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I, uh, that's going to be the first story I've heard that has a little bit put me off the feed on the questioning. I'm just like yeah. I, and listen to I I still feel like even to this day, it's like, did that really happen? I'm very confused about it. I always feel like the story, especially with the laugh, it's like, of course, what movie did you see where someone was laughing like that? Um, and of course, what 12-year-old kid in the woods in this house isn't going to be freaked out, right? Just naturally freaked out. You You described hearing the laugh like six times. We're recording a little earlier tonight, so we have dogs um, barking, but I'm going to leave them in there. But yeah, so let's say out in the field and at the foot of the driveway, outside the house, no, actually, at the at bottom the, of the stairs. The, no, or, so six times. Yeah. So field, uh, road, top of my driveway, top of my stairs, um, outside, outside my sliding glass door window, and then in my room. Okay, and – over and what would you say the time span was that all of, from the first one to the last one, a couple hours? Oh, it was well. No, there was specifically like fifteen minute increments, so it was over an hour. In addition to the feelings that you might have had when it was around, did you feel uh, uh, oppressed by it? No, I didn't have that feeling I had in Norway. The there wasn't like a change in the energy or anything like that. It was just this laugh. I did feel a presence for sure, but. It was just this laugh, but it did, but it had a, it definitely was a, it was a male presence and it was, if anything, leading, leaning negative. The closest I've ever come to having a feeling like this has happened now that I have, you know, a five going on six year old. When I'm home alone, invariably some toy in his room will start doing something, which, you know, Spielberg capitalized on in Close Encounters pretty well. But, and it's like, you'll really freak out. You know, the other night I was actually working in the living room of our house and my wife was in the back bedroom with her iPad playing Bejeweled or Candy Crush, one of them. And <laughs> I think it was Bejeweled. And when all the things fall down, they make this noise. It's like, like that. And I couldn't quite hear it from the living room. And I had, I had the TV on and the sound it was making from the distance was sounded like something sinister taking a breath. <laughs> and it kept happening. I was like the first like five times I heard it, I was like, I'm not hearing that. I'm not that's not <laughs> happening. I'm not hearing anything. You know, and I'm not even home alone. Talk about a wuss. It's like and then <laughs> and you're, I, gr- and you're finally, a grown man. Yeah, a grown man, grown ass man. Finally I had to get up and go down the hallway slowly, being like, Where is that coming from? <laughs> and then I hear her in the master in the master bedroom. I just, and I go in there and she's like on the bed watching, you know, Sex in the City with the iPad. And I'm like, what What are you doing? She's like, I'm playing Bejeweled. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I have the last 20 minutes of my life back. <laughs> and there, But there, there were no other sounds either. Yeah. Because yeah. you're in the middle of nowhere and there was just – it was quiet. Do you have wildlife though, like crickets and – you got you got your yeah. crickets. Yeah. You got your standard you know, wildlife your stuff. standard wildlife. You got your deer running around and stuff like that. Right. You know, crunching around. Yeah, that makes you a little anxious when you're a kid too. You hear crunching around in the woods. I have, um, yes, that does. And that uh, my wife and I have a place in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, which we still have. We don't get there so much these days um, now that we're living in Los Angeles. But I went out one night for the Perseids because you can see everything there. It's it's 80 miles from New York City, and it's about 40 or 50 from Philadelphia, and it's, you can really – the stars are just amazing. 
So I'm out in the back of my house. I'd set up before dark a chair and um, a table, and I'm like, I'm just going to sit and wait for the meteor shower. And it's gotten dark, and our lot is like 125 feet wide and 900 feet deep. So we kind of have a football field in the backyard. Not as wide, but definitely as long, and um, or if not longer. And I'm sitting out there. She's back in the house. I'm alone. I'm like, ah, oh, this is nice. I'm out in the middle of nowhere. I'm the Perseids, and I hear this this hard, like, thumping sound on the ground, and I can feel it in the earth through my chair. Like I'm sitting in one of those white plastic lawn chairs, right? So I'm out there, and it's like... And I feel it in the earth, and I'm just like, I can't see anything because it's dark. And I think about it, and then I, I was like, oh, I don't know what that was. And then I hear it again, except it's coming from a different direction. And it's followed by a snort, like a <laughs> like that. And I was like, okay. And I was like, what is out here? And then I'm like, I'm getting my like iPhone light, which you know has a throw of about four feet. I'm like <laughs> shining it out, and I see these eyes. And I'm like... Oh, oh, guess what it is? It's a it's a buck. And it's not just one buck. It's two bucks, right? And like and so then I'm like, oh, "Okay, but you know, I want to see the I mean, it's just my land." <laughs> I, you know, I want to see the Perseids. And then so I'm like and I feel a stomping again. And when I say stomping, I'm talking like a 200-pound creature mm-hmm. stomping in another from another direction. So now I'm three. They've gotten surrounded. <laughs> surrounded and they're snorting and stomping. And I was like, I'm going inside. <laughs> like, you, I don't know. And also, it's the rut, right? So right, they're all right. like going crazy. You're lucky you got inside. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I went inside. So I was like, I'm going to get, you know, deer raped or something. So, <laughs> oh, so, so they weren't, they weren't uh, huffing Not at you. Anymore. No, they, they were. I oh, think they were. They were. Oh, okay. I think they, they yeah, were like, scary. get out of here because they, uh, certain years, other years, there's not, we don't see one the whole year, but there's certain years when full herds. So I'm so sure. showing my intelligence. Yeah, Deer's in a herd, right? Okay. It's not a flock of deer. Right? Flock or a gaggle. Um, we'll run back and forth through the yard, through the back part of the property, several times a year. You know, but it, And then they, you don't see them for like three or four years. Right. But this was one of those years when there was a lot of activity. Because we're right along the Delaware River. And so they're down there by the river or whatever. And also Pennsylvania, number one deer collision state in the country. <laughs> anyway, so that's my story of bravery. <laughs> I was chased back into my house by three horny bucks. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, thank you guys so much for coming in. I'm sorry that Forrest couldn't be here tonight. He had to work. I really appreciate you taking the time to get in here. and Our pleasure. Thank you. Yes. I have actually one other little anecdote. In this field, this Pete's field, me and my buddy Joey specifically, others, but mostly me and my my best friend Joey growing up, used to camp in this field all the time. Right. You I mean, it was, it was like our favorite thing to do. I mean, it, almost weekly, right? And we knew every corner. And there was one evening, and it was a beautiful, clear, starry night uh, we were camping out. We didn't use a tent. We just laid out a tarp and sleeping bags, and we just looked at the stars. And this one evening, we were at the bottom of the field if you will i mean it was pretty much of an oval circular shaped but it sloped up and we were down at the lower part camping we were looking up towards the woods which was i don't know a hundred yards up above us and behind inside the tree line and it kind of felt like inside the tree line by maybe i don't know 10 yards was a kerosene lantern And we watched this kerosene lantern 
go through along the edge of the clearing in a straight line. And this is a this is the woods. If you were carrying a lantern, it would dangle and people would fall and you would stumble and it would bounce all over the place. This light went in a perfect straight line all the way along the upper edge of the clearing and then kind of turned away from us and disappeared out into the woods and then the light disappeared. And we both looked at it like, you see that? And you're like, yeah, I saw that. I don't know. What was that? I don't know. It was kind of weird. And stayed there. It it disappeared. It, no, it went you away. you stayed there. Oh, we stayed there. Yes. Again. <laughs> Again. Balls <laughs> of steel. Not smart. <laughs> um, I'd been but like, was, so gone. But it was... It, it Actually, was, I would have moved out of the house after the Indian family. <laughs> right. like, it was kind of creepy. The The area always felt a little creepy, if you will. Again, those old woods. Those old woods. But um, it, was, it was really unusual because there was no way a person carrying a yeah. lantern or even a, a modern flashlight could walk in a straight line so perfectly as what we were watching. But you both saw it. We both saw it. So when you saw... When you saw the lantern, it was, it was flickering like a lantern. That's how you knew it was a kerosene lantern. It was like it, 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 it had more of a glow. If it you felt will. like an old timey lantern. It did. It felt old timey. Both of us looked at each other like someone's got a kerosene lantern back there. That's a scientific word, by the way. Old timey. Old timey. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. So there, that's just a little thing that happened. Okay, that's a little thing that happened. Anyway. Um, Thank you guys so much for coming in. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Being a friend of the show. I um, hope we don't have reason to come back (laughs) (laughs) and tell another story. You don't want to get that call from me. All right. Okay. I love that story. One of the things that Mark mentions in it is how his dog doesn't react to the presence of this thing. But for me, that's right in line with the idea that when you experience a haunting, sometimes it's just for you. It may not exist in the part of the world that is common to all living things. Just because you're the only one who hears it or sees it or experiences it, doesn't mean that it isn't there necessarily. Mark himself wonders if this was the imagination of his youth, but to me, it rings true as something real. It it took so long to play out. It has so many details, and it's so vivid. I actually called him yesterday to ask him if he thought there was any chance he dreamed the whole thing, and his response was, absolutely not. And he said this in the story. Was I imagining him because I was a kid, and I'd been playing tough, and now I was home alone? Did I make it all up? Did I conjure it? I was thinking that as it was happening— but there's no way that I was imagining the whole event. If, if anything, I was imagining the laughing. If he was imagining the laughing every 15 minutes, six times, playing out over the course of like an hour and a half, then I would say he was having a psychotic break. And I, I've known him a long time, 15 years now. I, I really don't think that that was what was happening. I believe that he really experienced this. So this is episode 13 for us now, Lucky 13. And we are so grateful to have had well over 100,000 downloads. We're not even five months old yet. Thank you guys so much for subscribing and listening and interacting with us. We really love it. Forrest is sending his regrets for not being able to get into the studio on this episode as his job has got him on the road for a few weeks. That is, however, wrapping up as we speak. On another note, my six-year-old spring break is coming up, and my family and I are going to take a little time off, which means a one-show hiatus for Astonishing Legends after tonight's episode. This will give Forrest a chance to get back into town and get on his feet, and it's also going to give me a chance to start planning and prepping for the litany of interviews we have coming in April. We're having somebody come in who has an amazing story related to the Titanic. We also have Kristen Shaw coming in. She used to be on The Daily Show. She's on Gravity Falls, Bob's Burgers, and is most recently starring in Fox's new hit post-apocalyptic sitcom, The Last Man on Earth. 
So don't fret when there's no show on April 3rd. We'll be back on April 17th with a great new episode. That's it for episode 13. We'll be back in four weeks on April 17th with a show probably not about the Coral Castle. Special thanks to Marisol McIlvain and Mark Brugnoni for coming into the studio. We wanted to tell our listeners about a podcast we've recently discovered called Fireside Mystery Theater. They perform old-fashioned radio shows on stage in New York with a horror twist and podcast it regularly. Check it out. Our theme was composed by Judson Crane and our sound design by Ryan McCullough. Special thanks to Jim Creative Design for our logo. Most importantly, we want to thank our listeners. You can find us online at astonishinglegends.com as well as Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and Google+. Copyright Scott Philbrook and Forrest Burgess. Good night. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.